Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Holy moly! Man, woman, and child in that bottom of the aisles. Johnny the Jet Riders just for a moose of their shoe. Oh, they don't have him yet? Look at Tommy Frazier. How many tackles can one man break? Touchdown. What's going on, Husker fans? Welcome back to Believe in Nebraska Football on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Casacho, and boy, what a big game last week. A legendary matchup between the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Michigan Wolverines under the lights at Memorial Stadium. And unfortunately, the Huskers were on the wrong side of a instant classic. If you thought the Michigan State game was heartbreaking, boy, are we in for another one. I don't know what the deal is with Michigan this year and that state, but they're just serving us sad, sad, sad Saturday nights <laughs> more than once this year. Um, but this one had a different feeling. Even though the Huskers fumbled it away late, it, it didn't have that feeling that the, the, the Michigan State game had. It felt like that game was just the same, you know, movie and and, and the Huskers blew it late. This was a que- you know, the, the, the fumble Martinez fumble, I first off I think was a little questionable in that like his momentum had kind of been stopped, probably should have been blown dead. Um, but just outside that, there was just something different about this game. It, it was definitely the best game. I think it's the best game that's uh, a Scott Frost led Cornhusker team has ever played. I think that that this was the best game that we played this season and, and yeah, probably over the last four years, even even in games we won. I mean it was clearly we were playing a top team, top opponent. They were tough. The Huskers had answers. It was well coached. Special teams, special teams with the strength. The covered units were everywhere. If they tried to return a kick, it was not getting past the twenty. Um Great punt coverage. Um, no, I mean, we were surviving the punt returns. That obviously was an issue, but catastrophic punt returns were a problem. We lost the the Michigan State game over bad punting. The punting was great in this game. Um, so, the, so, so, so in that way, you know, the Huskers absolutely played their best game and, and did what they've done all year. Got better this week. Even though they were in a in a fifty six to seven victory against Northwestern, they were playing a better team, and they went toe to toe with them. You know, a, a couple uh, it came down to literally came down to a play here or a play there, going for it on fourth th- uh, on fourth down on the first drive from the from the four yard line. That was a tough call. Um, I I, I probably would have kicked it, but you know he's staying aggressive. If he had gotten seven there, obviously we win. If he had kicked it there, we would have won. So that you know that was a game changing play, and you you, you can't fault Martinez. It, does he have to hold on to the ball there at the end of the game? Absolutely. But the amount of things he did right, I mean, he out he outplayed McNamara. He did. Um, and then and you look at the black shirts. Could the black shirts have gotten a couple more stops in the second half of the game? We're playing a great team. Like we, you know, they weren't getting the stops either. We were going back and forth, and it just didn't. We just didn't end up on the right side of it. The, the the truth is the the Huskers 
that no one has been no one this season has had a lead on Michigan until today. I mean that that should that should tell you where the Huskers are at and and how what kind of football they're playing. Um, no one had picked off McNamara until this game, so clearly the Huskers, though their record is three and four, they're playing like one of the better teams, um, one of the better teams in college football, and you 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 have to be excited about that. You have to be excited about that as a Cornhusker fan. I think after the Illinois loss, we had a lot of questions. Um, but I'm going to get into the bigger picture of, of what this game meant and and what the state of the program kind of is after this game, because it is kind of a, uh, I, I think it is kind of a reflective moment after this game about where this program is at, but to take a look a little bit about, you know, a football perspective, the, I mentioned the special teams already being a strength in this game for the, for, for the Huskers. Um, that's huge. I mean, that's a full 180 from where we, we started at with Illinois and the, and Oklahoma and Michigan State, the, unbelievable to have them come out and have a strong game. But uh, also on the in terms of the running game, I think R- Ramir Johnson in this game established himself as Nebraska's primary back, despite Yant having um, a big game, huge game against Northwestern. Um, I know in the in the the first half that that Yant took a handoff, made a mistake. Um, on which way to run on, on second and uh, second and you know we had, drive ultimately stalled there uh, probably should have had it if he had run the play right so they they just felt better and more confident with Ramir Johnson and he's he, he's kind of run away with it I mean he made big play after big play starting with the first play of the game uh, 43 yard screen pass really got things going he ended up having a hundred yard over a hundred yards receiving um, and a touchdown he ended up also I mean just despite facing a very stout Michigan front um, front seven, he was able to, he still was able to, he averaged about four yards a carry and was able to still be the leading rusher. You know, Martinez didn't, I mean, there were so many weeks at the beginning of the year that, that Martinez was the leading rusher every week on not designed runs because he would rip off, you know, some big, big run on, on a broken play. So it feels like we've gotten a ground game going. Um, Bad news for this game in terms of the run game and the offensive line. Teddy Brahaska goes down uh, for what on Monday was announced to be for the year. He had surgery on his knee as a knee injury. Um, so we're kind of back to the starters that we had in terms of our tackles with Corcoran moving back to the left side where Prohaska has been the last couple games, you know, back where he started the season at left tackle. And it brings Bryce Benhart back into the fold which is as sad as I am for Prohaska and thought that he was playing unbelievably well. I think he's going to have a great career here at Lincoln in, in Lincoln. You feel good for Bryce Benhart, a highly recruited guy who has played a ton of football here. He started last year and clearly just, you know, the, the fall starts were getting him and he ends up losing his job. But, you know, as Scott said, you know, we're not crumpling anybody up and throwing them away. We want to give, you know, we just have to give people an opportunity. There, there's ex- expectations of what you know you need to do to keep the job, and if you're not meeting those, other people need opportunities. But he, here we are, two weeks later, and he's right back, and we're depending on him. And it's kind of also cool that we're going into Minnesota. That's where he's from, and he did not play well in Minnesota the last time we went there t- two years ago. 
we played against that 11 and two Minnesota team. They had a great team and they just, just dominated us in that game. So he's going to have, you know, I think he has kind of a chip on his shoulder about being benched. He's going back to his home state. Um, hopefully he's able to kind of take it to, you know, yeah, basically just play with a chip on his shoulder, take the benching and, and use that as fuel to, to, to clear the mistakes and, you know, knock on wood. There was uh there weren't any, he didn't have any, you know, false starts in, in, in his, uh, relief of Prohaska, um, or a relief of Corcoran on the right side as the right tackle. So, you know, hopefully he can build off that. I mean, Scott's done this successfully a couple times in his first season here. Lamar Jackson was the, you know, number one corner coming into the season. And after an embarrassing loss of Purdue with undisciplined play from Lamar Jackson, Scott going into the Wisconsin game, just said, you're not starting. And that he did it to a bunch of guys. Um, after the, there was the Michigan loss. There was the Purdue loss. And um, this is in, in Scott's first year and going, you know, some guys left uh, Tyron Lindsay left the program. Greg Bell left the program. Um, you know, Lamar kind of took it as a moment, put his back, you know, his back was up against the wall. He said, I'm not, I've lost my job. I'm not the starter anymore. I'm going to have to earn it back. He earned it back. And then, you know, his, you know, after the, the next season, he was, you know, one of the better corners in the big 10. And then he got to play in the, you know, in the NFL, start his rookie year on, you know, on the New York jets, but he did get to do that. I mean, for, there was a moment where he was benched on a losing Nebraska Cornhusker team backs up against the wall and he's able to, you know, persevere through the adversity. So we can only hope that Bryce Benhart's going to be able to do the, uh, a similar thing here. And, you know, I, I certainly believe that he's certainly physically capable of doing those things. He is a, a beast of a man and was very highly recruited. So um, he won a state wrestling championship in Minnesota. So him, him coming back into the fold, and he's had a ton of experience. So we're not thrusting someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, in, in here. He's got a lot of football games under his belt. I think he's going to be able to come in, and, and I'm rooting for him big time. Now, another big storyline outside of Ramir Johnson kind of taking control of the lead back role in the run game was the the play calling in the first half. It was called into question. I mean, outside of, you know, getting down to the, the four-yard line and getting stopped, not taking points there, because of that, Nebraska didn't get any other drives going, and we were actually shut out 13-0 in the first half. So some people questioned uh, questioned – the, the amount of run plays that were called um, in the first half. These, this happened for a couple reasons. I don't like the criticism of the play calling here in this game for, for a couple reasons. The Huskers tried to establish the run. Obviously, they have a great, you know, a great defensive front. On top of that, part of a lot of the runs are reads, so we're calling a run because what we're trying to do is get the, the ball into Martinez's hand to get him on the perimeter but they were taking that away. Obviously, I mean, it was a good game plan by Michigan to just force the ball out of Martinez's hands. You know, and we we kept running. Nebraska, f- you know, found some answers to that um, in the second half. But on top of that, the, the the amount of runs that they that they did really set up some of the biggest plays that Nebraska had in the in the in the third quarter, in which they had three touchdowns. Um, I don't think you have Austin Allen's forty-eight yard touchdown on that fake handoff without the, you know, trying to establish that play in the run game first. You you ran, 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 
And then finally in the second quarter, you pulled it and threw it to your tight end and no one was there because they bid on it. I mean, that, why are they biting on it? Because you did it, you know, 20 times in the first half of the game. So the, the biggest thing to me that I actually, I actually felt I was surprised that so many people were – certainly I was frustrated at halftime that we had not scored any points. Mostly I was fr- frustrated we didn't score any points that we got down to the four-yard line and somehow there's a goose egg on the board. More than I was, like, upset that we tried to run the ball. you, you got to try to run the ball early in the game. It was a 13-0 to game. It's not like the game was – you know, 28 to zero, you got to keep trying to run the ball. Do they try to run it more often than not? Maybe, you know, too often. Do they try to run it too often? Maybe, but it certainly set up a lot of plays in the second half. Mostly what I thought during the second half of the game is actually what great coaches we have that, I mean, as disappointed as it was, that there was a zero on the board. I was very confident that we were going to score in the second half because I knew the coaches were going to be able to adjust and, uh, all they always do. The second half is always better, and a lot of that, some of that, has to do with I think the conditioning of the players and like our will to, you know, the, the Huskers' will to fight or whatever. But a lot of it, I think, has to do with the fact that our coaches are able to to look at what they did to defend us in the first half of the game and then just completely attack that in the second half of the game. And I think they save a ton of stuff for the second half of the game so that they can adjust to what we show them in the first half. So I actually thought it was great a great job by the coaching staff to score more points than them in the third quarter than anybody had scored in the whole game at that point. I mean, obviously, you put some some good things together. Um, and, and the third touchdown that came off of the interception, you know, when Martinez had gone back to the sideline after scoring um, on that offensive possession, I saw him talking to Verduzco, and I saw him, like, talking about what they're, you know, he was making a gesture with his hands like he was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to loft the ball over. I'm going to loft the ball over. And then we got that interception, and he literally just ran that play. That means that on the sideline, they had watched what Michigan's defense had done. They didn't know we were about to get an interception, but they had watched what Michigan's defense had done, and like, this is what we're going to do when we go back out there. And then they did it, and it went for a touchdown. I'm not going to question the play calling of these coaches. These guys are, are clearly you know, top, top notch in that department. The, they're, the scheme – is great. We fight opponents and constantly have to to play against people that, you know, maybe have better recruiting classes than us, um, better population bases, whatever. And we consistently are able to, I mean, we made Michigan look silly in that third quarter. So I'm not going to question the the play calling. Did I think that there maybe could have been a more of a high probability call? I watched Matt Lubick's uh, press conference on Tuesday. um, So yesterday, and I did see that he, I mean, he did say that on fourth down that they decided that, yeah, if they could bring a zero blitz, we're going to try to throw, we're going to try to throw the ball downfield on fourth down. I was kind of like, well, really? We, we didn't want to just pick up first down. You wanted to try to, I mean, it's not really a high probability. If we get him one-on-one, we're going to throw it down. That, that was what he said. It was, they get Samari Toure one-on-one, we're going to throw it downfield. And they brought a zero blitz ended up being the last play of the game. And it was just, you know, I, I don't, I think it's tough to make that play. I, I wish that there had been, you know, there's a lot of things you can do on a zero blitz. You could hit across the middle, a lot of different things. Um, I guess I maybe would question that, but I, I don't question trying to establish the run game in the first half of the game. I know a lot of people talked about that and and the Nebraska fans have been upset, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't disagree, uh, disagree more. They, I don't think that, 
I think that what I think everything we did, we set up. I wish we had come away with points. The truth is, if we had converted a fourth down or scored a touchdown there, it would have been seven points. It would have been seven to 13. It would have been a pretty even game. I didn't think that offensively we had not been able to kind of hang with them. Our defense got in our shots. Like they, you know, it was a pretty, it was pretty back and forth. We had gotten down to the four yard line. We had came away with zero. That was painful. But I did think that. The, the, I overall, I thought the play calling was great. The truth is, across the board, I thought everybody played really well. Martinez, like I said before, um, hit a QBR of 82.1, 18 to 28, 291 yards, threw three touchdowns um, to McNamara's zero. McNamara had like a 66 QBR, was like 22 for 38. Not to you know, not to take anything away from Michigan or, or say whatever, but I think it kind of gets lost that how well Martinez is playing because of the record. Um, people are noticing how the Will Blackers are playing, but Martinez is really playing like one of the best quarterbacks I think in the country. And uh, I know it's easy to look at that fumble at the end of the game and 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 kind of cast all that aside and look at him like, oh, yo, there it is again, Nebraska. You know, the face of Nebraska's program, fumble it away. But the truth is, he, the kid's been a warrior. He's been a he's been a legend um, this whole year. Um, it, it, it's come a long way. The truth is, I I honestly think, like you look at how he played his freshman year, you look at how he's playing this year, and you kind of have to wonder: is it was it literally just a question of for the last two years, did he just not have the weapons around him? Because with the weapons around him, he's able to make play after play. You know, not to say that he doesn't miss any. I know he missed. Uh, you know, Levi Falk coming across on third and 10 at the end of the game. Um, nobody's perfect, but I, I think it, to say that he's not playing some of the best football from that position in the country, I don't know how you could say that, given the plays that he makes with his legs. Honestly, the plays he makes with his arms. Like, the, the stat line I just read did not include the, you know, eight, eight for 38 yards rushing that he had in the game. You know, I mean, it, the first downs he picked up with his legs and, and things like that. So, you know, Martinez, Frost, I think at the beginning of the year, the the black shirts, special teams, everything felt like it was kind of swirling around. I mean, even before the season started, we were talking about Scott Frost's special teams analyst scandal. You know, I had to go get on my soapbox and talk about how we need to stick with the guy from, you know, Wood River, Nebraska, and all that stuff. And, you know, we're now seven games into the season, we're three and four. It's not the record anybody wanted. And certainly after the Illinois game, it felt like we were about to just go on the same ride we've been on for the last at least two years. And to start off in year four with the way Illinois went, it felt like things were, you know, devolving quickly. But I got to say, where we are today and the way that this team played against Michigan and that the fact that they're getting better every week this is a, I'm proud of this team. I was proud of the way they played. I was, I, I, I was excited the whole game. I mean, we went from that Illinois loss where we're concerned about the fans. Not, we had to have two donors bail us out of the sellout streak to having that kind of environment on ABC. We're winning in the third quarter. There's a light show. The stadium is on fire. It is electric down over there. And, and to have that in this season, you know, I know there's still people talking about because, they're you know, everybody crawls out of the woodwork. Nebraska, you know, had we won the game, they everyone would have said, we knew it. We've been talking about this for weeks. 
but instead we lose it. And there's some people talking about how Scott's on the hottest, you know, seat in the world. I don't think that could be farther from the truth. I mean, I would be devastated at this point if we moved on from this coaching staff because of everything I just said. I mean, I know that there was criticism about the play calling, but I think that the way that they call plays and they scheme um, allows Nebraska to be competitive without necessarily elite talent, which is how we're going to dig out of the hole that we're currently in in terms of recruiting and other things. But the way that they've transformed this team from what really for probably the last half decade has been an embarrassment. I mean, at times, a lot of times it was embarrassing, particularly on the national stage. I think a lot of people felt embarrassed after Illinois. I was embarrassed um, by, by the performance, you know, the, the, kind of, the kind of things they were doing. He's managed to transform this team into a team that I know everyone watching that on ABC, it was – even if you're not a Nebraska or Michigan fan, it was great football. I mean, what entertainment that was, just two teams in the Big Ten going blow for blow. I think it was good for the conference. Two storied programs. I know Dave Portnoy tweeted out during the third quarter, I think Michigan might have even been losing, is that he tweeted out, like, when Nebraska joined the Big Ten, this is what I expected to see two-storied programs going blow for blow under the lights on national television. And that's what we were getting. I mean, it was really like, even as a fan of Nebraska, I could take a step back and, and felt how fun that game was. And, and it was great to have it in Lincoln. It was a top 10 Michigan team. We were going right that we were right there with them. Um, you know, we weren't, we weren't blown out and like made, you know, even when we played Michigan state, um, under Riley and won that game at home. And that was a great win. You know, it did feel like they were the superior team. We kind of were able to like sneak in and get the win at the end of the game. This really felt like to a man, we were matched well with them. I mean, obviously someone's going to come out on top, but we were, you know, man for man, as good of a football team as them. We deserve to be on the same field as them. We were, you know, they, we were equals and, given the way that this started with a complete massacre in the big house um, in, in Scott Frost's first game of Big Ten play as the coach of Nebraska, he's completely transformed this team over the last four years, you know, from day one, you know, to today, from that Colorado game and losing to the Southern Alabama and then, you know, getting destroyed by Michigan to, to now. What the is, – is it's an – unbelievable job this staff has done sure is there stuff is it is the is the job done no we're, we're three and four we have to get over the hump but we are so much closer than we were we're so much closer than we were last year we're so much closer than we were six games ago so the, i think the questions that we had about this coaching staff or that some people may have had about this coaching staff going into this season have been answered as far as i'm concerned because this is the way to go. This is the way forward. The scheme is good. The players are playing harder than they've ever played. They're conditioned. Um, they just went blow for blow with a top ten team at home, and they it wasn't. It's not like an all you know a fluke thing that we had one good game. We went blow for blow with Michigan State this year. We went blow for blow with you know Oklahoma, and we've gotten better each game along the way. There's nothing. There's uh, to me. There's nothing left to be said. 
And it's, I'm not the only one that thinks so. P.J. Fleck was talking about Nebraska during his press conference this week. Yeah, I mean, they're playing at an incredibly high level right now. Um, their offense is, is really hitting on all cylinders. They've proven that throughout the entire year. Defense is stout, really strong, really good up front, uh, make you earn everything that you're going to get. Secondary's big, long, physical. Their front seven's very physical, very disciplined. Again, make you earn everything that you're going to get. And, you know, the quarterback's a heck of an athlete, always has been, and he's playing at an incredibly high level. And they're one of the best offenses in the country, let alone the Big Ten. You know, when you look at, you know, even the special teams, I mean, they're playing at a high level. they got a lot of depth. they got a lot of players on their team. And, again, showing from that Michigan game, they showed that, they, you know, they're a really good football team. And I don't think P.J. is just blowing hot air here. I mean, if I was watching, if I was an opposing coach watching the film of the Michigan-Nebraska game, I'd be thinking all those things too. Tough on special teams, tough on defense. An offense that can be explosive, you know, solid, solid at all the skill positions, great quarterback. That these are all the things that I'd be thinking. This this is what I'd be thinking about. So I don't think he's just saying that. I think that 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 that's where this team has come from, being a team that really was struggling to start the year. I mean, it, and going to play Minnesota isn't going to be you know a, any walk in the park for Nebraska here. And I'll tell you this right now, it's not Northwestern. Let us not forget. That on this show after the Illinois game, on Thursday night after the Illinois loss, I'm you know I was watching PJ Flex uh, Minnesota team play Ohio State, and I was envious of them on that big stage, every on national television, everyone watching. They didn't win, but they clearly went in there with a strategy about how to neutralize Ohio State. They executed the strategy. That's what we talked about. That They're still that team. The only difference between then and now is that Nebraska has become a team that can also do that, that plays disciplined, that has a stout defense. You know, for the first time, I think, this year, Nebraska's defense has started to look like, I mean, some of these Big Ten defenses. I mean, Minnesota has a top three rush defense in the Big Ten. There's Wisconsin. Michigan, Wisconsin's the top rush defense, then Iowa, then Minnesota. So for the first time, I feel like Nebraska has finally kind of settled around and been able to look kind of like a Big Ten team in terms of their makeup defensively and the way that they're able to, to, to play on offense, and a lot of that has to do with the coaching. So despite the record, and I know it stinks, no one wants to win more than me outside of maybe Frost, the coaching staff, and all the players, but – I know it stinks to lose and and it it's doesn't it doesn't feel good. It doesn't it's hard to continue to talk about where the team is at in a positive light when the record is what it is. But we're very close. We're very close. And this team there's the signature win is that we hope to get that it looked like we were going to get that night against Michigan. It looked like we were going to get that night against Michigan State. It's still out there. We got us. We still have to play Ohio State. We still have to play Iowa. Top ten teams. Um, that'll be in the top ten, um, I believe, when we play them. And the truth is, we got tough must-win games left on the schedule because this Minnesota game is a must-win. Purdue, after that, that's a must-win. Wisconsin this year, which we've only beaten once, and we haven't won since 2012. We also lost them in 2012, as we've established on this show. But 
we've only won that one time and they're a must win because now the goal is obviously the big 10 championship or winning the division is kind of out of sight here. It, you know, it is, but what is in sight is making a bowl, which we have not been able to do, but those three wins are must. Otherwise we have to win against Ohio state or against Iowa in order to, to, to get to a bowl game. So the road is not any easier. We need to keep getting better because those Minnesota team, and this is kind of the storyline surrounding the team. Obviously they lost Mo Ibrahim in that Ohio state game to start the season. Um, they also just recently this past week lost Trey Potts who went into, to, to back him up and they've been their lead back in his time. So now they're down the first two running backs that they had um, kind of leading their rushing attack and they're a rushing team. So that that's kind of the focal point of their offense. I don't. I wouldn't expect anything less than a than a very difficult game in Minnesota. Um, I I would not I would not sleep on it for a minute. It's definitely a bigger challenge than than what we faced with Northwestern. Northwestern was struggling this year. Um, Minnesota was able to shut out Colorado. They've had a couple great wins. They're three and two on the season. They, I wouldn't expect anything. They're probably they're. they're going to have to go by committee, but they have talented young running backs. They're, they're freshmen um, that are going to step in for them. And, and they're going to kind of see who, who's what I think when you start to get down to two injuries at a skill position like that, you're not really planning for that. So you're, they're going to see what they can do, but they know how to run the ball. It's not just on the running backs to run the ball. They, you know, they bring in extra tackles. Um, they, they do a lot of different things like that. They have a great, Rushing attack, great run scheme. Um, and, and the truth is maybe because these running backs aren't here, they haven't put a ton of this on film, but maybe they'll just start passing it around. You know, the, any of those things can happen. So you kind of have to, as much as it's like, well, it's a downside for them that they, you know, they've lost both Mo Ibrahim and uh, Trey Potts. It's also kind of an unknown thing for Nebraska to go in there and try to defend. Again, I think the black shirts are up to that challenge. I'm more concerned about, you know, facing that, their defense is a great defense. So as tough as, as, as Michigan's was to run against Minnesota's, I think even tougher. So, you know, we're going to have to, we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have our work cut out for us in that game, but it's a must win. Nebraska has to go out there and find a way to win. And the, the there's still so much out there for this team to progress. Um, and they've, and they've come so far as it is, you know, they just got to keep going. That's our show for this week. Tune in next week to hear how the Huskers fared and their trip to Minnesota. And as always, go Big Red. I was raised in Nebraska. But one time I journeyed south And the things those Okies said down there Made me wipe out a couple of miles They like their Sooner football And they don't like the Huskers enough But I surprised them all when I sang this song I made them take off and run you can boast about your victory Tell me all about your team But when we meet on the football field 
Your bridges won't be clean You can brag about the Sooners And sing your old fight song But don't come across our borderline Cause you knuckleheads don't belong Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.